any coach or any person listening to this would laugh at me, tell me how much of an idiot I am if I said, hey, look, I want to write you one program the rest of your life. Everyone thinks that's stupid, right? But then why the f- do people think it's a good idea or it's actually necessary for nutrition to be this is what you do? Like, why why can't you go three months on paleo and then a month in vegan? And then why can't you, like, why is it like we have to do one thing the rest of our life? It's absolutely asinine. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, listeners. Today, we've got a great show for you with Dr. Andy Galpin. Dr. Andy Galpin is uh, blowing up all around the place with um, the way that he communicates uh, basically exercise science, I suppose. Um, so, Andy's one of the uh, one of the uh, part-time hosts of Barbell Shrugged. He's uh, just recently been on Joe Rogan Experience among, among a bunch of other epic podcasts. And uh, we're here to talk to him today about nutrition, uh, diet and training, basically. Nutrition and diet are pretty much the same thing, so... Um, I kind of fucked that up, but anyway, so Andy is a, a professor and muscle scientist at uh, in California and has a PhD in human bioenergetics and muscle physiology, uh, I believe. So, he's also a national level, uh, national champion weightlifter, I believe, I think he mentioned in the show in his, in his uh, junior days. So, anyway, this is a great show with Andy, we had an f- awesome time with him. Andy, again, uh, I think this is like every second or third week, said that this is the funnest podcast he's ever been on. He does a lot of podcasts, so I think we had a pretty good time. Uh, before you hear the show though, guys, check out our uh, our sponsors who are Audible. Check out audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio for one free audiobook and a 30-day trial. Also head to quashcreative.com. Use the code radio when speaking with the guys and they'll get you, that'll get you a free SEO report or a report on your current or existing brand. And check out adventurefittravel.com. Use the code word radio, guys, and you'll get 10% off any and all of our trips. There may be some Iceland trips left by, uh, tickets left by the time this show comes out, although they're getting pretty tight on our second trip there. Uh, we also have New Zealand. We have Australia. We have Kokoda Track. We have Hawaii released and we're very close with Bali and Greece. And then we've, uh, we've got a ton of trips that we're going to be rolling out for the new year. So head to adventurefittravel.com, join our mailing list, guys, so you're all over uh, what we have coming up because it's bloody exciting. So get around it. Anyway, here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. guys welcome back to adventure Fit radio we are here with dr andy galpin before we throw to andy and, uh, and officially uh, welcome welcome him we will start off as usual with tommy's tribute all righty uh doctor dr andy welcome uh welcome aboard my friend i uh 
Hope you enjoy this one. Here we go. <clears throat> to be the best prophet king and you're sexier than me you've been on Joe Rogan and you're a little funny goatee it looks like a bogan but I honestly don't care cause all I want to do is passionately stroke your hair oh lover 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 tell us about nutrition <laughs> This party's gonna be first edition. Uh, yeah, motherfucker, come on. Oh, baby. Lover, lover, lover. Let's trade for muscle, growth, and recover. Uh, yeah, shit. Everybody, come on. Oh, lover, lover, lover. Let's get this banter up high above. There you go, mate. <laughs> you, you literally must have zero listeners. <laughs> We've got, we've got we've one. Got three. We've got, we've got one. three. We've, we've got, got one. one. We've got yeah, one. You're, you're, you're definitely our listener. <laughs> your mom probably deletes your episodes off iTunes in disgust. <laughs> yeah, she's... Uh, no, I know it's great. Thank you. He's figured us out, mate. He knows. I feel special. <laughs> um, Andy, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, mate, and what it is you do. Uh, so I'm a muscle scientist. Uh, I have a PhD in what's called human bioenergetics. Um, so I run, I'm the co-director for what's called the Center for Sport Performance uh, at Cal State Fullerton. So that's a series of laboratories, a biomechanics lab, a couple of exercise physiology labs, um, strength human performance labs. And then, of course, my personal lab is the biochemistry and molecular exercise physiology lab. So um, I, I take biopsies from athletes and we study why muscle grows, shrinks, dies, repairs. And then, um, you know, I waste my time doing things like podcasts and uh, co-host a couple. And, um, you know, when I can, I work with athletes, particularly combat sport athletes and um, UFC fighters and things like that. Yeah, cool. Awesome, man. Before we dive into that, like what, what got you down that, um, heading down that path? It's not obviously, um, you know, not everybody ends up being a muscle scientist. So, uh, yeah, what was it that got you, um, got you to where you are? Well, you know... Like, I think most of us that are in this field, we were good enough as athletes, but not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, growing up, like, I played college sports. I played every, uh, a ton of sports in high school. Uh, and I was good enough to play a lot and have a lot of success, but not good enough to where training didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to make sure I was learning as much as I could so I could train as best as possible, not make any mistakes, because that was the difference between me getting success and, and not getting on the field. So mm-hmm. that's what initially started it. And then from there, I just wanted people to have to call me doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you should have gone down my, my route. Yeah. My, nick, my nickname is The Doc, and I have no PhD in anything. <laughs> it's got a nice. PhD in being a fuckwit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a PhD goofball. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But so, what was your sport then, Andy? What were you? Uh, what was your main focus athletically? Uh, well, I played. Uh, you know, I grew up in the country, man. So we played everything mm-hmm. um, competitively: football, baseball, basketball, track and field, everything. And then I uh, played football in college. Uh, competed for a national championship in Olympic weightlifting after really? uh, my college career. Yeah. Wow. Epic. And, and then won. Uh, won a whole bunch of little tournaments in jiu-jitsu and some other combat sports. Mm. So. Wow. What, uh, what class did you compete in for weightlifting? 
most of my career was 69 kilos. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. What was your uh, What was your snatch clean and jerk, Bill? My. Uh, well, oh, I mean, throwing yeah. in, yeah, throwing uh, you in. I was a weightlifter, Andy, uh, till about a year ago. I was competitively weightlifting, and my bests were one ten, one thirty seven. Beautiful, which were yeah, nowhere, well, nowhere near enough. And he, and he was a, he was a super heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowhere near enough to be good at anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I that's actually, I, that's yeah, actually yeah. pretty close. I was one ten, one thirty four. Mm. Ah, well, nice. got you covered, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I only had uh, 20 kilos of extra body weight, but, um, but got you covered, my friend. <laughs> not, not important. <laughs> yeah, we'll just forget move about on, that. Move on, move on, move <laughs> yeah. um, on. Can we okay. cut that, edit that? Yeah, get <laughs> yeah, that out. Yeah. No, we'll keep it in. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So uh, so what does the day-to-day look like for you then um, at Cal State, Andy? Like, um, how much are you doing working with, out in the field, working hands-on with athletes, and how much are you doing, you know, doing your your focused studies and so forth well i'm currently on sabbatical so most of my day-to-day looks like sitting out in the sunshine drinking mai tais um not bad just kidding (laughs) i like it uh no man like uh the vast majority of my job is teaching uh or research i i don't have i'm not running 20 people in a day athletes wise um i don't have groups i honestly at this point in my career i've done all that stuff i've trained you know, dozens of NFL players at once and done things like that. But most of the athletes I work with now is more on what I'll call a concierge basis. Mm-hmm. So I only have time to really put the investment into a few athletes at a time. Mm-hmm. So I will only probably work with maybe a couple of dozen at a time. And, you know, when they're not in season, when they're out of, when they're out of fight camps, things like that, it'll be less. So um, 90 plus percent of my time is science and teaching. And then on occasion, depending on the athlete, some of them require a tremendous amount of attention, and sometimes it's just a couple of phone calls or a few visits. So it's it's mostly science and mostly teaching. Cool. So who are you working with in the uh, in the combat sport arena that take up the the ten percent of your time? Who who you are who are your athletes? Uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of UFC fighters, um, a lot of, of boxers. Uh, I had a boxer just compete last weekend, Ronnie Rios, but I haven't. Um, he's a great example. Like, I haven't talked to him in years now. Yep. So, like, I used to do some things, um, but not a lot. Uh, the one that people know me for the most is is the American wrestler Helen Maroulis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she just won world championships again a couple of weeks ago in Paris, and she's particularly um, not- notable because she's won three straight world titles uh, in three different weight classes. Nice. And in Rio last year, she was the first American to ever win gold in America in, in wrestling as a female. Yeah. And she did it by beating a Japanese girl who had won three straight Olympic golds and like 13 or 14 straight world titles. Wow. Just, so that was a pretty big feat. So she's the one I'll say the most. But uh, there's a ton um, that have bounced around. And depending on who's the forefront of my mind, I'd, I'll say different names. So. So, these, uh, so these athletes that come to you, like, um, what are the what are the – what are the normal things that a, that a combat sport athlete will come to you for? I'm thinking they'll come to you and, you know, say, look, I, I need to be more explosive. I need to work on my cardio. Like, what's your field of expertise or are you just kind of dealing with what comes and, and seeing what you can do with it? Well, first and foremost, if they come to me with questions like that, I try to do my best to either put them in contact with a real strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, I can, like, I've done that stuff before, but there are people who have 100,000 hours of training combat sport athletes over yeah. me and I'm not going to be foolish enough to think I know more than they do. Yeah. Um, I, I still think like 
I got a lot. So I've worked with Conor McGregor in the past, cool. and uh, I got a lot of heat last week because everyone's like, "Man, why aren't you training anymore?" Etc. I'm like, "Dude, he's he's got a team of people. Like, you think I can really waltz in there and just like spout out ideas?" Like, yeah. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Like, that'd be stupid of me. Well, I, I mean, I know decent amount of what he's doing, but you get the idea. Yeah. Um, so mostly when they come to me, the first thing I say, like, oh, you need to get powerful or stronger, something like that. Well, here are two or three guys or girls that I recommend to do that that are in your area or I know this person in Texas or wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. So that's my first thing. But if they really, really want to work with me, it's usually one of two things. It's either nutrition, specifically weight cut stuff, um, mm-hmm. or it is general um, – it's general camp progression. So how do you think I should set the 10 weeks up? What do you think we should do here? And then honestly, above and beyond on all that, like they want me to call upon with with every little situation and go, hey, this is what's happening. Bing, 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 bing. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. Cool. And that's what they usually get because I can give them basic ideas like, oh, here's my eight-week program. Uh, but like that's not really how it works. So they want me to be able to call me and be like, hey – this is what we're going to do with this and this and this, but then this happened. And then my other coach wants to do this. What do you think we should do about this right now? Yeah. And I'll give them my guidance. And sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes uh, I'm right. But that's honestly what they want is they want somebody on their side that has a little bit of grasp of everything. Yeah. That can make those really tough decisions. Yeah. You like mm-hmm. the, uh, you like the little uh, kind of go to Mr. Fix it on the side while, while they're uh, while the camps camps going on. Yeah. That, that's a lot of it. And uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do, so I'll call other people and reach out, or I'll be like, "Man, I honestly don't know. Here's my guess, but I don't know here." Yeah, cool. Mm. So, so with the well, let's dive into the nutrition side of it a little bit. So, obviously, um, everybody that's listening to this right now, you know, people love hearing about nutrition, but it's so convoluted the information that you get. Um, obviously, if eat you're, fat, don't eat fat. Yeah, do this heroin, don't do this heroin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it's all perfect example. Um, so, but how much of what you do, so someone coming from a scientific background, how much of what you do is athlete specific? How many of these fad diets do you, do you, um, do you think have value or do you just have a across the board, you know, meat and two veg? This is, this is how to have a, a healthy diet. Yeah, man, I, I don't have any like hard and fast rules that I use. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's, look, look, I'll put it this way. There's, it is important to separate what I'll call individual truth from giant or scalable impl- implementation. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is there are things that are absolutely true at the individual fact or not true at the individual fact that may or may not be true when you scale those things across hundreds of millions of people. So having said that, sometimes I will gauge an athlete and I'll, I will tell them a piece of information like, hey, I want you to go do keto. Now, I might be translating that in my mind thinking they don't actually know what that means. Um, they're not going to go implement full keto. They're actually going to go do A, B, C, or D, and I want them to do A, B, C, or D. So it's a faster and more effective conversation if I just tell them, go do keto. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know what they think that means and et cetera. So I, I use those things a lot. Um, and sometimes I'll also, like, look, people forget, like, these are actual people. Mm-hmm. And they have desires, and they have worries, and they have biases, and they have backgrounds. And so I'm going to take all that into account. So when an athlete comes to me, for example, and I can tell, like, they really want to do Mediterranean, they really want to do paleo, or they really want to do Whole30, and I can tell they're just super pumped for it. 
Well, sometimes I have to be like, all right, well, how can I take that positive energy and that motivation and maybe just tweak it a little bit to get them closer to what I want, but still not just blow it up in their face and be like, yeah. let me let me tell you how smart I am. That thing sucks. It doesn't mm, work. For sure. Because now we just ruin the emotion. I ruin the motivation and all things go wrong. So, I mean, to answer your question, I don't have any particular diet that I seem to follow. Um, I think there's merit and a lot of them. Uh, I have a Heather Joe Clark, one of my UFC fighters. She's a vegan. Um, when she started with me, she was vegetarian and she went to vegan. And we've dealt with just countless problems with her, but that's, I'm not even going to broach that topic because it's an ethical decision for her. Yeah, that's right. So, so why am I going to even affect that? I already know her decision. So instead of trying to convince her elsewise, let's just make it effective as we possibly can, which ends up being a shit ton more work for me, but that's what she wants to do. Mm. Yeah. It's a, Mm. it's a really good point you raise. I mean, obviously the best diet to a degree. Yeah, I mean, the heroin diet that you mentioned earlier is probably not going to be uh, the, best, the best case, but there are the pros best. and cons. You got any, if you got any clinical trials going for that one, <laughs> yeah. I know some uh, people. Would, I've got some anecdotal experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the best diet's obviously the one that you're going to stick to. It's, yeah. like, it's like when people talk about programming. Like the best program is the one that you're going to you're gonna actually... Get the from. Yeah, you're going to actually stick to rather totally. than chopping and changing all the time. And, and that's probably... I've never actually thought about it that way. Like if somebody wants to go paleo, if they want to try keto, I mean, rather than... This is this is the best diet. Do yeah, this, yeah. then yeah, kind of piggyback off their momentum because yeah, that's there's, there's such a when you're changing people's diet so radically, there's such a tendency for them to go just drop off the wagon and then you know go back to eating yep. whatever shit they were or or the problem. That yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest, uh, I stole a lot of that from a fantastic nutritionist named Marie Spano. Mm-hmm. Now Marie is uh, up here and she used to be, or I think she still is, a nutritionist for the Atlanta Hawks, the NBA team, the basketball team. And she's been around. She's got fantastic stuff. And I heard her at a conference talk about, hey, look, when I have a client come to me, one of the things I do is is I realize that if I want them, and she's not a huge keto fan at all. Um, she's not a paleo. He's not any of these things. She's usually promoting what you kind of said earlier, right? Some meat, mm-hmm. vegetables, good carbohydrates, good fats, sort mm-hmm. of the, the normal stuff. Yeah. But what she says is, look, look, if I have somebody who's really sold on one of these diets and I try to immediately transition an NBA player to my optimal diet, and we have done, you know, a, a one mile distance between their diet and what I want them to be on. That's going to fail epically. Yeah. So I take what they do. I see if I can make small improvements until I can eventually, over time, and by time she may, maybe year or years, get them to where I think they should actually be. Mm. And I think that's just a far more effective. It's more compassionate, and it's more realistic approach. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I feel like that's how my diet evolved. Well, it, uh, it, it habitualizes itself based yeah. on little changes here and yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I eat relatively well and don't try, I'm, I don't compete yeah. anything anymore, but I, I ate a relatively healthy diet. But I started from uh, a trade background um, on job sites every day, and it was Pies. it was hot dogs, donuts, packet of chips, <laughs> and, and maybe a, a salad roll to, for the healthy, the healthy part, you With know? With chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, sure. And, and slowly but surely, I mean, yeah, for me, it was very, very gradual. I, I did CrossFit back in the day for a little while. Then I was a weightlifter for a bunch of years. And now I just do whatever, train whatever. But for me, yeah, it was very, very incremental until one day I was like, oh, I ate pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. genuinely just, you know. Yeah, you defer- don't even, well, you don't even recognize this because the habit becomes subconscious. Yeah, that's right. It's, 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 I, defer, I defer to like a relatively all right diet. Mm. So I ask you then, Andy, what do you, what's your training level like these days and how do you eat then? Just, yeah, just what's out your of, diet just like, out of, uh, <laughs> Just out of interest. <laughs> 
Well, you know, first of all, I don't subscribe to the heroin diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we not too much. Yeah, we've got some gateway diets that'll, yeah. uh, that'll start you off down. Diet. <laughs> cocaine diets. It's just so difficult to get up here in the States. It, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. Well, not, not from what I've heard. <laughs> um, so let's go with uh, my food first. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of things. I'll tell you what I'm eating right now. Yep. But keep in mind, I'm a firm believer uh, of diet being one of the many, many, many things that you need to constantly change. So I think it's funny when you talked about prescription earlier, right? You, any coach or any person listening to this would laugh at me if, or you know, tell me how many, much of an idiot I am if I said, hey, look, I want to write you one program the rest of your life. Yeah. Everyone thinks that's stupid, right? Mm. But then why the f- do people think it's a good idea or it's actually necessary for nutrition to be this is what you do? Totally. Like, why, why can't you go three months in paleo and then a mm-hmm. month in vegan? And then why can't you, like, why is it like we have to do one thing the rest of our life? It's absolutely asinine. Yeah, right. Interesting. So, you know, we'll, like, of course, this is what Brian McKenzie and I lay out in the book so much. But one of the things that's missing and uh, the biggest problem in physiology right now that we see is the fact that people are not willing to actually vary their stimulus. Mm-hmm. So people do it with their training at the micro level. So you're like, oh, I did this totally different CrossFit workout today. Well, it's still a CrossFit workout. It's not even close to other ways that you can move your, your body. So you haven't even really made that big of a change. But then you're, you won't make any change with your diet rel- other than like, well, I changed my macros by 10%. Well, how about going from eating six times a day to eating once a day? Mm-hmm. Like that's a real change. So we employ a lot of these things for a, var- a variety of reasons, but – we want to make sure that we are constantly uh, pushing adaptation and that we're constantly making sure that our bodies are able to be what uh, my friend Mike Team Nelson refers to as metabolically flexible. Mm-hmm. So if you bias yourself all the way to one end of the spectrum and say you're optimizing your fat burning, which is this term that people think they want to do, um, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, it's not, it's not what you think it is, mm-hmm. um, not even close. It doesn't make you skinny. Um, if that's what you're wondering, but if you optimize your fat burning ability, then you probably almost assuredly compromise your ability to go the other end of the yeah. spectrum, which is to produce energy quickly. Now, having said that more probably, probably more people, at least here, and I'll, I'll just assume so down there too, but more people are more biased toward the carbohydrate than the fat. So kind of like we said earlier, it's not the worst message ever because more people probably are very carbohydrate dependent than fat dependent. Yeah. If you follow me there. So yep, back to sure. the actual question. Uh, so what are we doing right now? Um, I typically find that I work best on about five five or so meals per day, mm-hmm. about equally sized, um, with a pretty mixed macronutrient composition at each VA. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like it when I just have like a bolus of fat or a bolus of carbohydrate. Of course, most of us handle a big chunk of protein alone fairly well, but it sits better when I co-digest macronutrients yeah uh, my wife is actually quite different she tends to work better on like three solid large meals and then maybe some little tiny snacks in between um but i just seem to best and honestly like she literally eats more food total than i eat yeah <laughs> even though i outweigh her by 20 kilos yeah um just she's, she's way more physically active throughout the day than i am yeah so she burns a lot more. Um, but yeah. she like, she'll eat a breakfast and I'll be like, uh, like, I mean, you can look at like my dinner is still not finished tonight and yeah. I'll eat like 90% of it. 
And she's like, crushes the whole thing, is like waiting for more. And I'm like leaving little things and like an hour and a half later, I'll, <laughs> I'll finish that. So, uh, all right, cool. So I'll ask you, uh, Andy, very interested on your, your thoughts on this. So we had a, um, we had a guest on the show uh, last week when we were talking to Mac, we were talking about intermittent fasting. You were talking about you were fasting right now. I'm actually so, fasting right now. You were yeah, t- talking yeah. about fasting no, right heroin. now. So, so, um, so something yeah. that I haven't... <laughs> heroin fast. I, yeah, I thought cool. he was just going to blow over that, but yeah. he, he liked it, which yeah, is good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, You're not going to slide heroin past me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what they said to me. <laughs> so so intermittent, <laughs> intermittent fasting is something that I know very little about. Um, and something that's very, it's kind of maybe a bit of a buzzword um, that I'm sure a lot of our it listeners is. don't don't probably probably uh, is, yeah yeah d- don't probably know too much about it either. So coming from a scientific background, lay it down on us. So intermittent fasting, um, what are the benefits? What are the what are the um, well, what are the negatives? Okay, so science, you have to separate science uh, from maybe more anecdote here because yes. of a couple of things. One, we don't have a clear scientific definition of what intermittent fasting is. Right. right. And the way people integrate it is sort of like the middle of the time during paleo. So when paleo first came out, it was a strict definition and then it got morphed over time and no one was even talking about the same thing anymore. This is sort of where intermittent fasting is at. Uh, in addition, you have the physiological adaptations or benefits from it, but then you also have the behavioral and psychological, or what we talk about in the book, the awareness and the consciousness experience of it. Mm. So, for example, uh, and I'll just I'll keep this quick, but like one of the reasons why we will do some intermittent fasting is just to reset what we think we feel like to be hungry. Right. Right. It's, it's also another way for us to set up a mental challenge that allows us to have a mental skill challenge for the day. So like, God, I want to eat, I want to eat, I want to eat. It's what we call accepting or inducing suffering. And for a thousand reasons, we feel like that's extremely important, again, especially in the developed uh, countries where food abundance is just nonstop and yep. we go decades without ever being truly hungry. We forget what it's actually like to be hungry. So what happens then is when we go to work, we're having a shitty day because our quote unquote blood sugar is low because we haven't eaten in four hours. Mm. Like, horseshit. You got the, you know, in theory, you could go months, if not years at a time without food. Yeah. So we need to be able to have the infrastructure to be not so like my friend Kelly Starrett says, like, don't be so precious. Yeah. Like, don't mm. be so damn sensitive that you're all whiny and you know, your blood sugar is low because you haven't yeah. eaten in five hours. Like you'd have been dead in the woods. Right. So uh, Laird Hamilton says all the time, he's like, man, if we're out surfing and we're surfing big waves and we're six hours in and you're complaining because you need a protein bar, like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, throwing you out this shark. Drop, drop, in, drop in on that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> uh, right. So anyways, to answer your real question now, fine. So all those things aside, um, those are the parts that actually interest me more. Yep. But the physiology is really difficult because, for example, you said um, – Tom, you said you're fasting right now. Uh, yeah. How far in are you? Uh, well, I stopped. I didn't. 8 p.m. last night was when I uh, ate last. So it's so 1 30 p.m. right now. So, like, <laughs> yeah, so sorry, man. Andy's fuck. Like, so well, that's, that's, about, like, that's like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is time. Two, well, that's two, in the future. <laughs> so I'm about 17 and a half hours in. Eight, eight hours in? Well, so I've had. I can't even think of it. Eight till eight, 12 hours. Yeah, I'm about 16, 17 hours in to this. Oh, 16, 17 hours. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Now, are you consuming caffeine or any calories or anything besides water? Uh, no, I'm not even having water. I haven't had a thing. I haven't had a thing. I had a sip of okay, good. water before, but yeah, I've just got rid of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, water's fine. So that's that's one style of fast. That's a very common some people call it the twelve or up to sixteen hour fast. Yeah. Um some people will extend those out to like a four or five day fast, maybe up to a ten day fast. Shit. Some people will do that, but then also consume caffeine, stimulants, tea, coffee, maybe even butter, fat, and stuff. Yep. And it would be silly to think these are all doing the same thing. So it's very yep. hard. We'd actually, we'd honestly have to go one by one through all of them. Yep. To talk about exactly what's going on. Um, some people will do like a twelve twelve fast, so they fast twelve hours a day. Yep. Every day. Some people will do like a once a week where they just do a 24-hour fast, eat normal the rest of the time. And then a lot of folks, which is probably the most scientifically documented and the most popular right now is the 16-8. Yep. Where people will eat only during an eight-hour window and fast the remaining 16 hours a day. What this typically looks like is you skip breakfast and just eat lunch and dinner, two meals a day kind of thing. Maybe three meals, but you only eat it within an eight-hour window, say from noon till 8 p.m. Then yeah. you fast the 16 hours a day. So. I think that's the least exciting. Um, that's easy. Well, once you get used to it, which takes four or five days, maybe a week, it's it's not any more difficult nah. um, than the rest. And the, the difficulty with that is, and this will maybe, any audience member that's that's familiar with the 1680s is maybe we'll show your mind. Um, where that got a lot of steam is because of some animal data. So there's studies in, in rats and mice and stuff that showed that it can dramatically increase longevity. At the same time, some studies were coming out showing just long-term caloric restriction does the same thing. But as far as I'm aware, this really hasn't crossed over into humans yet. And what has been done has not been shown to be as nearly as effective. Mm-hmm. So it's not to say there's no benefit there. I think there's clear benefit. But we have to be careful when we are only looking at the animal data because something like 91% up to 97% of studies that are shown to be effective in animals don't actually carry over into humans. <laughs> mm. yeah. Funny if you say that so the, other way, the other way yeah. around. That, uh, that just so we know, the studies we do on animals and we put them through hell, three to seven or whatever yeah. you said percent actually covers up, exactly. covers, covers across yeah. to eat more pigs, yeah, yeah, <laughs> torture more rats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fuck mechanistically, the mechanism ones are usually pretty fine. It's just the ones that we try interventions that tend to be difficult. So that's not to say it is wrong. Um, but we have to be a little bit careful thinking like, oh, this is the thing. That's right. Humans were supposed to eat only eight hours a day. Like this is the magic. Yeah. That's not going to be true. Totally. What about, um, what about, so when we were talking with, uh, it was, um, Mac, uh, one of our, um, one of our, uh, guests a week ago and he was talking about, um, benefits in increasing testosterone. Now, is there any growth hormone as well though? Are you talking about fasting? Yeah, with fasting. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. fasting is growth hormone and testosterone. Gro- right? Yeah, growth yeah. growth hormone and testosterone. So, do you want to um, elaborate on your theory behind um, behind that? Max's going to hate this. If he's going to hate it if it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, poor bastard. We'll have to start calling Mac Doctor Mac rather yeah, yeah. so he's on the same level. Doctor retard. <laughs> 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 uh, look, I mean, to fairly answer that, I'd have to listen to the whole episode and make sure. You know, uh, I was fully up to speed with whatever that. Just make a quick statement, mate. Just give a shit. Which. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure it was great information. I, I'm sure it was awesome stuff. Um, I tend, again, not be so impressed with those types of things because of several reasons. Uh, we are still very clueless on what hormones do. Mm-hmm. As a general rule, we understand them, but as a very specific context, like, we're very far from understanding that. Yep. So if I gave you a 30% improvement in testosterone, I'm not really sure that I know what that's going to do or me. Um, we also have a thing of, like, we have this fallacy of thinking that molecules and hormones and atoms are happy when we personify them. So what I mean by that is like, oh, testosterone's good, cortisol's bad. It's like, <laughs> bullshit. That's not how it works. 
Mm-hmm. Like the easiest, easiest example is oxygen. Like how many of you are willing to give up oxygen for more than five minutes? Like, well, none of you, right? But you also don't realize it is the whole reason we're fighting all this climate change crap because the oxygen layer is what keeps us alive. Oxygen is the most toxic thing in the planet. Mm-hmm. It's, that is stress. That is inflammation. So how could you be like, oh, i got to reduce inflammation, but like, like well, what are you talking about then? Mm-hmm. Like, you're contradicting yourself immediately. So testosterone is no different. We don't want testosterone to be maximized as high as possible at all times. We want it to be at its optimal number. And what that number is, I don't have any idea. Yeah. Yep. So here's what I would say is if you were low in testosterone or growth hormone and something like intermittent fasting brought you back to a normal level, that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. But if you were normal, increasing it by 20%, pro- number one, it's probably transient, which is another way of saying it's going to go back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, it's probably not a good thing because we don't want these surges to be really high or really low. Yep. So without knowing at all what the gentleman said, which I'm sure it was fantastic, like mm-hmm. that's why I'm sort of like, I roll my eyes and I kind of like scoff at these things because I'm like, guys, this is not the right question. Mm-hmm. Like, this may or may not matter. It's probably cool, and hopefully, that leads to another follow-up study that starts asking more conclusive questions. But as in and of itself, like that's not going to take me to make me start doing intermittent fasting because that might be worse for me. Yeah. Isn't that like uh, isn't that the problem with so everything that you've said? And I totally agree, and it totally makes sense, especially. Um, I don't know why you would ever fast. I mean, yeah, yeah but 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 in 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 a general terms with health and nutrition, like, isn't that the most annoying thing for people? So people go out there and they're like, right, I need to know what diet works for me, but nobody's actually going to study their study their you know their yeah what was that? DNA. Their, 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 their DNA, figure out their lifestyle, talk to someone like you, do tests on this, that, and the other. They're just going to read the their, barcodes yeah, and read them, I mean, see the marketing, and people people still want and to some degree need. Uh, they need, uh, 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 they need a, a cover all because yeah. they don't have the logistics to do a, a scientific study on what's going to work best for them. So, yeah. I mean, and I, I totally yeah. get it, but that's like with the fitness industry and, and the health and nutri- nutrition, it's so... Everyone's selling you something. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so, it's so hard for, for, the, for the consumer, you know, on their end to try and figure out what to listen to and, and how, to, how to go about it. Yeah, and that's, that's fair enough. I mean, like I'm not... Not, not hammering anybody that's supporting intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with giving people options. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with you going around and saying like, "Hey, this is what I've been implementing. I've been feeling great. Here's mm-hmm. how I did it. In case you want to try it, here is what I found was helpful. Here are the problems." Like, yep. I actually support all of that stuff. I just don't support, you know, making false claims when you know they're not true. I also do not support um, acting like there is extreme scientific evidence yeah. for something when there's not screwing people out of money. I, I'm pro options. These are a good thing. I am pro discussing your anecdotal evidence. I'm just anti screwing people when it's like you just said, they don't have the time to vet it like I do. Mm. They don't have the time to run all these self experiments and collect all their blood. So we just need to discuss it in this totally. matter. Hey, this is what I tried. Um, hey, work for me. I hope it gives you a chance. Uh, if you struggled, if you tried other things and it didn't work, try this out. But hey, keep in mind, man, nothing's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get to you because, like, the, I mean, a good example just with the intermittent fasting. Why do you think? Uh, I'm totally guessing here, so don't even worry about the details here. I'm just going to yeah. make the general point. So, why would you surmise intermittent fasting increased growth hormone and testosterone? Why would we surmise that that would be the case? Why would you think that would happen? Uh, I have no idea. I'm just going off what uh, what you can you can answer it. I literally it goes straight over my head, but you can have a go at it, Tommy. I, I just from a hormonal perspective would. 
make the assumption that um, so when you eat, and obviously I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take your doctor here. So mate, there's a couple of things you need to learn no, about. This it's fine. Stuff. Like you can't screw but this look, up. This from, is from just what, a, what, what I've studied and what I've what I've gone through uni with is what I learned that um, when you eat. Um, Cortisol and insulin, so you get that rise of inflammation um, to to take on those to, to digest the food you take in, and and the opposite probably occurs when you when you when you steer away from that sort of stuff, and maybe from just an evolution okay. an evolutionary perspective, um, we need those hormones um, to yeah to give us that energy when we when we're not putting the food in. Okay, yeah. So then here's the contradiction there, right? So don't worry about it because no matter what you said, you're gonna get you're gonna be wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's why the world is uh, flat, essentially. <laughs> testosterone is anabolic, right? Is what? Like you would agree? Oh, yes, testosterone yes, yes. is anabolic. Yes. Okay. Now, why would you ever be anabolic when you're in a state of net caloric deficit? Yeah, see, that's what I said to Bill, and Bill just doesn't get so, it. <laughs> I'm staying right out of this conversation. Yeah, you know, no, no, you're you know, saying you're like, correct, you're, correct. You're, you're not going to be in an anabolic state when you don't have calories. It's the exact opposite of where your body wants to go. Mm. So this is the fundamental problem of thinking testosterone is all. It's all whole. The whole job of testosterone is to grow muscle. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That is one of the well, one job that we tend to pay attention to, but it does a bunch of other things. For example, do you know what growth hormone does? No. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It doesn't grow hormones. Yeah. And it, does, it doesn't grow muscle either. Mm. Mm. So it's not an anabolic steroid. It's not mm. an anabolic hormone for that matter. Mm. Mm. So growth hormone specifically is a metabolic hormone which is released during times of low energy. It, is, it is, increases a thing called lipase um, that kicks on a process called lipolysis, which is what breaks fat down and puts it in the bloodstream. Now, it makes the fat available for potential energy. So this is why growth hormone surges that kicks a bunch of fat, quote, unquote, in the blood. Now, that one makes sense when you're fasting to go yep. up. That's testosterone in there. So the problem is, like, again, we're just shooting in the dark with most of these hormones. We don't really understand. We understand them a bit when we isolate them out. But when we put them in this big milieu, like, we don't understand the whole complication, the whole process. And we don't even know what that process means at the end of it. And so to answer the full question here, when you do something like, oh, I'm going to go from a normal feeding diet of eating three times a day or five times a day to fasting, yep. well, you better believe you're going to cause some significant changes in hormones because you have significantly altered the normal intake of energy. Mm, mm. But what do you think is going to happen to that growth hormone and testosterone surge after eight weeks or 10 weeks or six months or two years? Flatten up. It's not going to go, it's not going to be there anymore. Yeah. Like you're not going to have this massive, right? It's going to be, so what caused the growth hormone and testosterone spike? Really? Not sure. It was the, (laughs) it was the constant change of feeding. That's what, it's the variation is what caused it. Not the magic of intermittent fasting. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, well, is that the answer then? Just to constantly change your diet, change the times you eat? Well, No. Because it depends on what are you trying to do? Are you trying to cause adaptation or are you trying to optimize? Okay, well, if someone came up to you and they said, I want to put on 10 kilos of lean muscle mass, what do I have to do? Give me something to do. How would you start okay. them off? So I would say, uh, let, let's make it more specific so we can have better answer. Sure. Uh, 10 kilos of lean muscle mass and I want to do it in five months. Five months, yep. Okay, something like that. Well, then we have a very good answer because we have a target in mind. Yep. We have a timeline in mind, and now we can structure out a whole plan. 
the huge problem with most people is they don't have those things identified. Their plans are, well, I want to lose fat forever and just yeah. get buff for forever. Tone up. And just want that. I want to get like, some chicks, Andy. Is that uh, – <laughs> how do we <laughs> – Yeah. So, I mean, we'll answer your question. If that's the particular case, I might do either of the approaches. I'm probably not going to jump to any sort of fasting. I don't necessarily need it. I mean, the classic dogma is to say, okay, if we've got five months, let's spend uh, – you know, two or three of those months adding muscle mass, we're not going to eat crappy food. We're going to eat cleanly. And if we do this and we're at like a, say a 10 to 15% is the, is the rough number. We give people caloric surplus. We don't need a 600% caloric surplus. We don't need to quadruple our calorie intake. We just need a 15 or so percent caloric surplus. If you do that for three months and if you're eating good quality foods, you can probably put on a decent amount of muscle mass and not add too much fat. Mm. Mm. And after that three-month phase, then we will come back and say, well, how much muscle did we gain? How much fat did we gain? Are we happy with those ratios? Do we need to cut some fat? Do we need to cut some? Or we just want to keep bulking sort of where we're at. Um, but, but I wouldn't jump to any of those things. Uh, intermittent fasting would not be where I go to. That doesn't mean it can't happen or it can't work. Um, but that's not where I would jump to immediately for the average person. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's far too difficult than it is worth it. So – Another thing about intermittent, intermittent fasting or fasting in general is people say that it can help with things like leaky gut. Do you know much about that? Or Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. Mm. Um, I, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of data on that. Yeah. Um, but having said that, to be super clear, I also haven't searched. So if someone yeah. jumps on, it's like, I right, hear 10 papers. Mm. Fair enough. Well, I, that's... I, so- that's more, more generally speaking, why do these things become fads then? I mean, we, you know, I mean, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, carbs were the devil. And now, you know, we want to, instead of like having three meals a day, we want to see six meals a day, smaller portions. We want to see intermittent fasting. Like, why are these things gaining well, so much? people constantly want solutions. And when I've tried something, I'm, I'm going to continue to look for something new. Oh, it's an alternative. That's the solution. I mean, we talked about this, um, yeah. my friend Kenny and Josh and I, on my podcast, and we walked through the evolution of nutrition in America and the evolution of bodybuilding, weightlifting, powerlifting, and how that evolved into CrossFit and how that opened up space for the next thing. So we laid out this whole story, and I think we made a pretty compelling argument that like, it's not necessarily about the topic itself. It's about giving somebody a new motivation and having a new concept and being able to say, like, this has been my problem all along. Yeah. Right. Got it. And so that's not necessarily specific to nutrition or training. That's a human nature thing. Same things in politics, same things in anything else. It's like, this is the guy. Finally, we're going to make changes. Like, yeah. We were, uh, Trump, Trump, we were, Trump. We were, we were literally just, we just finished having a conversation that lasted about two hours talking about, on our last, we just recorded just before, and talking about that very thing the fact that people, People want people are tribal. People want something to cling to. People yep. want to be part of something. Whether it's I'm paleo or my friends are paleo. We do this paleo thing where this is the, the answer for me. Yeah, yeah. They, they they feel connected and they feel like they can well, get behind something. Yeah, people also want to feel special and they want simple solutions. Mm-hmm. So ah, I'm special. Hey, you guys, are, I'm I'm just I'm really different though. I had yeah. to do this. Yeah. Well, yeah, you are special, like to your mom, but... Like, <laughs> and your mom's lovely. Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, if you want a simple solution, it's it, there's not, not going to be that log jam. There's not just one log that's blocking up the whole system. 
very awesome. The other thing that I think throws people off in this a lot is this concept that I champion that, like, look, all of us agree and most of us would recognize that not one diet works for every person, right? Mm-hmm. So Tommy and Doc and I are like, we all can't go on the same diet. It's not going to work, right? We all may have three different diets. Well, yep. I actually take it a, a, a step further and say, there's nothing I've ever seen scientifically, and I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen anything that's ever made me think there is one magical diet for any one of us. Mm. So we, we talk about this all the time, and I say it too, so I'm just as equal to blame. But like, well, you got to find what works for you. But that doesn't mean like there's one magical diet out there that it works, works for you. You just got to keep searching until you find that one magic key. Yeah. There are probably 50 or 100 or 250 different diets that would work equally optimal to you. So the search for optimal is the fallacy in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's the problem is there's a, hundreds of diets that would work equally effective for you or, or hundreds of training programs. So stop wasting all your fucking time looking for one and just mm. get to work on the one you're actually implementing. But also like even just saying like what works for you, it's like, well, what are you basing your change in diet around? Like wh- when you say works for you, like what are your goals, you know? Oh yeah. Like what's the metric? What's the dependent variable? Like yeah. what's the goal? Those are all things that, I mean, we get into lengthy discussions in my classrooms about, well, how do we define work? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, 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 it's hours long discussion on that word itself. Yeah. Uh, and so certainly if we haven't taken the time as the individual person, if we haven't taken the responsibility to ask that question, at least at one level, like what's the one thing, uh, like here's one piece of advice I give people when they start a diet. Um, it's the same thing, actually a piece of advice I give somebody when you're trying to win an argument, mm-hmm. right? And the argument's sake, it's, What's the one piece of evidence you would have to have to change your mind? Yep. Okay, and if you can't identify that, then there's no point of having a conversation with you because we're wasting time, right? Yeah. Well, in a diet, what's the one thing in your timeline? So if your timeline is a month from now or six months or eight years or whatever, what's the one thing that you would determine if that happened that would have, you would have success? Mm-hmm. You have to define that first. Yes. If you don't do that, it's sort of like, okay, a lot of people are going to jump to, well, I, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to lift this much weight or I'll be this much leaner or whatever. Okay, fine. Well, then we also have to understand the next step is then identify what's actually stopping you from hitting that goal. Mm. Mm. And, and that's how we actually break down. Um, when I go through my, my program design stuff, of when I go through what, what I call a needs analysis or most people call a needs analysis, I should say. I put these, I, I consider these things to be called defenders. So what's defending you from actually achieving your goal? Mm. So if Doc actually wanted to have a reasonable snatch total, right? Not something nearly as embarrassing as his current snatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. We are talking about weight lifting sure here, lads. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, he's at 110. I heard a decent total on the other side. <laughs> um, sorry, Andy. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> That's right. For a guy who says, say he wanted to snatch 120. All right, still a little bit embarrassing for him, but we'll call it good for him. <laughs> and he, so that's 10 kilos he's got to put on his snatch. We have to sit back and really try to tease out and use any means we can to identify what's actually stopping him from snatching 120 right now. Mm-hmm. It may simply be he's not strong enough. It may be his technique. It may be the fact that he's he's a little bit out of shape, and so he does he can't actually handle the training volume yeah. needed to get as strong as possible because training is a skill that or strength is a skill that requires a lot of stimuli. Mm. 
I mean, we don't know. It, it may be the fact that his hamstring is a little bit tight, and so as the volume picks up, he tends to get hurt. Uh, wh- whatever it is. That's the actual thing blocking you from being stronger. Sometimes mm. it's pure strength, mm. but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's one or two other things that are actually stopping you from achieving your goal. Mm. So diet is the same thing. Like, What's the one metric you would actually determine this to be working on? Okay, what's actually stopping you from hitting that metric? Mm. Mm. That's what you need to get out of. Is it your relationship with food? Is it a self-punishment you have? Is it a need for reward? Like, What are any of these things? Is it an energy? Is it... Oh, bad habits. Is there a trigger? When I go to work, my mates always have these things laying on the, on, the, on the workplace. What are those things that block you from actually hitting it? And now let's attack those things. And it's usually one or two things, maybe three, and then you're set. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point as well. And it's a, fair, it's a fairly like un, unturned rock, but it's such an obvious rock to, to, to just see, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one of the differences, you know, like, I mean, I'm a scientist, don't get me wrong. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. Like, I'm a, not even a sports psychologist. But this is the, I mean, my, my friend Bart, Brett Bartholomew talks about this all the time. Like, man, we can't forget we're working with people. Yeah. And so we have to take, like, the science, and that's one aspect of it. But we've got to figure out how this actually works in real people's lives. And if mm, we don't, yeah. man, what are, what are we doing? And mm. being a scientist only is, is good, and, and that we need people that just do science, and we need people who just coach. But if you're going to try to do both, man, you got to understand how both work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which not many people probably probably can or, or do. Hey, Andy, um, we know we got to get you out of here at some point, mate. I wanted to ask you, um, before we go to six from six, I just wanted to ask you, with everything that you're doing, you're working with your, uh, working with your, you know, your combat athletes at the moment, you're doing your studies, what does the future look like for, for Andy Galpin? What are you, you know, what are you most pumped about? Where do you see yourself in, in five years' time? Oh boy, I don't know if I've ever been asked that one. Um, <laughs> certainly not on a podcast. Man, I don't know. The The future right now is is just awesome. I'm super happy and, and fulfilled with where I'm at. Uh, future is it's probably um, continuing down with my website. That's probably the thing I'm most passionate about right now. Cool. Um, which my website, um, I'm trying to take every one of my class lectures all of the conference lectures, all these thoughts and the things that I feel like are unique or a little bit different that I've, some of them I've just brought up. And I'm trying to put those all up on my website and give those away for free. Cool. Um, so I don't charge. There's no newsletter to sign up for. There's no membership site. There's no back sale. There's nothing. Um, there's a Patreon account attached to it, but that's it. That's probably the thing that hopefully in five years from now, that thing is well-developed. I've probably got 20 or 25 hours of material up now, but I want that thing to be I basically want to be able to put somebody through their entire undergraduate degree in exercise science just on my website. Cool. Epic. That's awesome. great, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, Andy, um, do you mind? Uh, we'll hit you with six from six. Three questions from me, three questions from Tommy, just to get you out of here. Bring it, guys. All right. My first question, my friend, is what's your favorite travel destination on the planet? Somewhere that you've been that you'd recommend to anybody? Uh, well, I'll have to stay with... I was actually pondering this one. I was going to do some of my favorite ones in Europe, but I'm going to stick actually closer to home mm-hmm. uh, and say Mount St. Helens in uh, Washington State. Wow. Why so? Just just beautiful nature and, uh, and scenery? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm partly cheating because I kind of grew up there. Yep. That's cool. Um, but I haven't lived there and I've actually lived more of my life away from there than I have. I grew up there, but um, it, it erupted in 1980. And so the dome is half, the top is all half gone. Um, 
And what's cool is the elk and the deer and uh, the mountain goats and such and the bald eagles have figured out what parts are still covered with ash and which parts are protected and which parts aren't. And so if you know your way around the mountain, like my father does, um, you could basically wheel up there and be like, all right, what do you want to go see? A couple thousand elk? Oh, yeah, let me take you over here. Uh, you want to see mountain goats? Let me take you over here. Like, oh, there's 40 bald eagles on this side. We'll go oh, over here to this thing. So it's pretty badass. Mm, that's great. Mm. 40 mm, bald eagles yeah. are so American. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Want to go see 40 bald eagles? Yeah. <laughs> um, play some football. You wouldn't see 40 in one place, but you get the idea. That was yeah, a bit hyperbole. Yeah. Um, so why, uh, are they, why are they hairless? I'm joking. I'm joking. My, that was a joke. That was a joke. My, that was a joke. My <laughs> second question, Andy, is uh, uh, your dream travel destination, somewhere that you haven't been that's number one on your bucket list. Uh, I'm not much of a tropical guy. I'm more of a cold mountain weather kind of guy. So I would probably say right now Iceland is high on the list. Nice. We've got we've got about uh, seven spots remaining on our Iceland trip in December. Come with us. Let's do it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just pass me your uh, credit card details yeah, after the show. Yeah. <laughs> and let everyone know on the show as well. We need some money. <laughs> uh, oh. Well, uh-huh. guys, don't let me down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iceland, yeah, that'll be sick. It's um, it's we're heading there as Adventure Fit in uh, November and December. We got two trips running back to back. Me and Tommy are both going to be on there, and uh, yeah, what 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 makes you want to head there, Andy? What's the what's the reason behind? Well, a couple of things. I generally don't like people. Yeah. So, um, cool. you know, I prefer <laughs> no, 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 that's to. Good. <laughs> You'll love it. We've got tons of people. Especially <laughs> foreigners in Australia. Too. Yeah, yeah. Good looking bearded um, dudes. <laughs> well, bearded men on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, man. So, like, I prefer to be out and stuff when I travel. So, I don't like seeing cities and stuff like that. I don't like being tropicals. So, some there that's, uh, again, less. Uh, a path less traveled, um, something that I'll experience that maybe other folks don't have uh, that's quite different than anything I've seen. And I've been to most of Europe. I've been to basically all of America and such. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to go to Northern Canada too, Yukon. I'd love to go to some places in uh, South America. But, yeah, cold mountains, that's where I tend to lean. Sick, Mm. sounds good. And my third question and uh, final question is, any books you'd like to recommend to people? It can be any style of book, just something that you've really enjoyed. Well, I'll I'll defer from recommending my own book. It's time to plug which, that at the end, yeah, right? Just, yeah, yeah. Just books that you've read from somebody else. Just relax, like Mr. <laughs> uh, Heroin okay. Guard over there. Uh, the book I would recommend is actually called The Collective Writings uh, of Chris Moore. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Barba Buddha, I think is the name, something like that. Um, and that's a book that my very, very, very close friend Chris Moore wrote. Um, if any of you Barbo Shrugged fans like Chris was the cornerstone of Barbell Shrug for many, many years. And unfortunately, he passed away about a year and a half. But he wrote three incredible books, one called Get Change, one called Way Past Strong, um, and then the other one called Progress. And they put them all together in a really, really fantastic hardback. And his wife, Janie, still operates them and sells them. So one, all the money goes directly to Janie, um, which is nice because, you know, he Chris left behind two little kids and, and mm-hmm. Janie without a job and things like that. But more importantly, um, if you don't know Chris, Chris is a powerlifter. He was a 1,000-pound squatter, 700-pound dead, 700 bench. He was a Division One football player. Um, he was the most organic, the most creative programmer I've ever been around in terms of designing training programs. Um, but he also had the thing that I probably envy the most in this world, which is an amazing combination of um, 
sort of a renaissance man, but in our field, um, he, he had such a good grasp of so many different things, philosophy and psychology uh, and readings and logic and reasoning and just a ton of things that these these books are just these amazing short stories that are sometimes about training and sometimes about life and sometimes about a combination and sometimes about funny stories because he's a really, really funny guy too. So I just find it to be such an, such an amazing read. I go back to it all the time. You can read little sections. Um, it's not like a novel you have to read through. It's not a training prescription book either. But if you like strength training, but you're also like, sometimes I like to read something besides, you know, training books. Um, mm-hmm. But you still don't want to like jump the gun and be completely out of the field. Um, yep. the, that, that book is just phenomenal and it's beautiful. And um, yeah, it's a great book. So. Mm. Sick, man. That's a great recommendation. Thanks. Bill. Hey, uh, Andy, so what do you like to do when you have some downtime? Uh, man, that's funny. I get asked that one a lot, but it's tough for me to answer because I don't really have downtime. And what I mean by that is like, I feel like right now is downtime. Yeah. Yeah. And you're loving it. Like you are loving it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, the, this is the most fun podcast I've literally ever done in my life. This we is the most fun hour I've ever done. That's so good. Let's go to the heroin jokes. It's definitely the heroin. It's definitely the heroin. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's hard, man. Like, this is downtime. This is work. It's the same thing, man. But I feel like my whole day is like this for the most totally. part. Talking about heroin, um, obviously. <laughs> I like kickboxing. Technically, that's exercise and part of my life. I like MMA. I like getting into cold water. I like golfing. I love watching college football and specifically mm. the NFL. Mm. Uh, I love drinking beer with my buddies, like drinking whiskey. So sounds like not I mean, a bad bloke. This sounds like a regular Yeah, yeah. He sounds, sounds right. like we love him on Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him. We'll get him. We'll get him. We'll definitely get him. <laughs> get him. Are we recording? <laughs> I'm going to get 100 emails with... Hey, just, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. you joined our mailing list uh, seven minutes yeah, ago, yeah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Hey, uh, cool. So make sure Andy, those emails don't make their way to my wife because then they'll actually, they'll actually get tickets booked. So. <laughs> just get on, get on to his wife. Get on to his wife. Yeah, yeah Andy's wife at DrAndyAlbum.com. Hashtag Andy's wife. Hashtag Andy's wife. <laughs> hey, uh, Andy, so what about um, a role model or someone that inspires you? Um, I really, like, I looked at this question too. I, I can't really say I had a role model, particularly growing up outside of, I mean, of course I looked up to my, my father, um, my older brother a lot, my mother, um, my older sister, my grandpa, um, you know, the, my head football coach in high school were all very influential in my life, but I want to give you maybe a little bit different answer. Uh, and that'd be Henry Rollins. Ooh. Oh, cool. Okay. Why so? So. I hate Henry's music. I hate punk music. Like, I don't enjoy any of that stuff. And I didn't pay attention to Henry for a long time. But once I did, in fact, Chris Moore uh, is to blame for that. Mm. Uh, but but he showed me some of the – if you've never read the little essay by Henry called – I think called The Iron or something like that. You can Google it. But it's an amazing story of how lifting weights and the barbell and stuff changed his life. And I just find him to be one of the most fascinating thinkers uh, and articulators of his emotions and his expressions and being so self-aware um, of anybody on the planet. And I, again, the, he's amazing. I had the opportunity to see him speak live and it, it, he I swear he did like two straight hours and my jaw was on the floor the whole time. He didn't mm-hmm. blink. He didn't stop. He never broke rhythm. His His technical speaking skills, which is another thing I really enjoy, his presentation skills. Mm-hmm. Um, just 
top notch and he's just very, very sharp. So I, I love him because he always hits me with something. I'm like, ah, I didn't see it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, awesome, man. So he's, he's got a good perspective and just an amazing guy to, to pay attention to just how he thinks and how he sees the world, mm. even though I just deploy his music. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, mate, if you could invite three people to dinner, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Okay, well, Henry would, of course, be one of them. Yeah. Um, another one I'll give you is Alton Brown. Okay. So Obviously, the famous... Uh, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, he, he created and ran a TV show for about 10 years called Good Eats. Uh, he's done some other TV stuff, but it's not nearly as good. But uh, he was – he's really cool because he – think of like uh, the nerdy middle school science teacher but on the Cooking Network. Oh, yeah. And so he taught – like I can't even explain to you how much of food science I learned from him on his quote-unquote cooking show. Uh, and so he didn't like, he was not about recipes, he's not Emeril Lagasse, he's not any of these fancy chefs, but he really would take the time to explain to you like, well, this is why brining works. This mm. is um, seven different ways to cook a potato and this is why they're working, how they're working so that you don't, it doesn't matter the recipe if you understand the process and how it's working. But he was able to do that in a fashion that stayed on mainstream television for 10 years, which mm. tells you he was able to gain 350 million people plus his attention. Mm. By talking only food science for 10 years, basically. So that aspect of his ability to communicate, uh, to walk a line between science and entertainment is, is fascinating. Mm, totally. So those two dudes would be on the list. Um, and then another one, maybe, uh, maybe I'm, I'm stretching here, but Christopher Hitchens. Oh, oh yeah. Beautiful. Cool. Love him. You know, it's uh, political, religious, religious stuff aside, just again, his... Amazing, Nobody could go into a gear like he can. No. His oratory skills are just unmatched. So I got to imagine having a scotch with him would be just amazing. You could yeah. you could never win a debate against Christopher Hitchens. <laughs> I mean, he's also, also name's Christopher. <laughs> an incredibly creative thinker yeah. um, and just somebody who, like, I mean, <laughs> for peace's sake, did you see the documentary he did on Mother Teresa? Yeah, I've seen that. He just ripped her. <laughs> If somebody could find a way to hammer Mother Teresa to an ethical life, absolutely you really got to be able to stretch and think differently about things <laughs> yep. and see things in a unique perspective. Totally, so, totally. Um, Carl Sagan's, Richard Feynman, they would jump that list too. Like yep. Those are hard to say no to. Well, I did say only three, mate, so you've got to five. And it's, you know, it's a little bit unnecessary, but anyway. Apparently it's Andy's show. He just Andy makes show all now. the rules now. Hey, mate, you ask us questions. <laughs> hey, well, there's uh, a Andy. lot of wine at my dinner party, so we could have five. Yeah, that's true. That's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> you are a doctor. <laughs> Hey, uh, mate, finally, uh, where can people find you? Anything you want to plug, all your social medias, all that stuff? Yeah, so the website I mentioned earlier, you got the gist of it. It's just andygalpin.com. It's it's run like a 12-year-old that found WordPress for the first time, but, <laughs> like, <laughs> the you know, whatever. The the data, the, the videos are up there. That's all I care about. And um, and, and the book, you got a, the, the new book? Oh, yeah. Uh, un, it's called Unplugged. Evolve from technology to upgrade your fitness, performance, and consciousness. Cool. And uh, so really, it's a guide to how to use and how to not use fitness and training technologies. Cool. Awesome. So that's been up for about a month or so now. Uh, that's up on Amazon. You know, uh, And if you like it or if you buy it, like it, make sure to give us a five-star review. That helps a lot. Well, um, it's not five stars. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, the last couple of things, of course, you can see me on Barbell Shrugged, you know, most most weeks. Um, but then my uh, uh, my podcast, my little separate podcast with Kenny Kane is called The Body and Knowledge. Cool. So that's a little bit different than Barbell Shrugged. Um, Kenny and I and, and other guy, Josh Embry, we spend about a month writing each episode. Cool. And so it's re- extremely highly produced, uh, edited down. We'll take like 20 or 30 hours of audio and cut it to 45 minutes. Wow. Shit. And it's kind of like little documentary dramas, like little documentaries. So it's only nine episodes in total. It's not like a weekly running thing or anything yes. like that. So that's just the body of knowledge, bodyknowledge.com everywhere. And uh, the first season we launched um, last year. And actually last week we started filming season two. Wow. Cool. So be coming out pretty soon so it's a pretty easy read and um yeah it's it's a different thing and you're gonna hear some some stories in there that uh you just won't find anywhere else awesome awesome yeah good stuff andy well uh thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show my man no you guys are great actually uh really solid work on your end good job thanks thanks mate mate. cheers um and uh yeah well that's uh that's a wrap that's a wrap see you guys in iceland all righty cheers andy Alrighty, thanks for listening guys. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, please leave us that rating and review. Um, show notes can be found at www.adventuretravel.com forward slash radio. And don't forget, don't forget to check out audibletrial.com forward slash ADVF radio for a free audiobook, free 30 days. Quashcreative.com, use the code radio for a free SEO report or report on your current or existing brand and adventurefittravel.com. Use the code radio and get 10% off any and all trips. See you next week.